Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks, formerly Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Happy Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Praise to him who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hosanna indeed. That's what we're going to be talking about today is Palm Sunday and kind of uh, digging into the scriptures today to see what God's word says about Palm Sunday and just uh, the meaning and the significance in the culture and the time period. And uh, Pastor Margaret, uh, just start out with a scripture uh, that uh, we're going to be starting from today. Yeah, so today, uh, you know, you can find this scripture across the Gospels, but today I really want to read out of Luke um, 19, uh, starting in verse 28. And we'll go back and give some context to this, but we'll just start with reading the scripture. After saying all of this, Jesus headed straight for Jerusalem. When he arrived at the stables of Anai near the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, When you enter the next village, you will find tethered there a donkey's young colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, What are you doing? Just tell them this. It is needed for the Lord of all. The two who were sent entered the village and found the colt exactly like Jesus had said. While they were untying the colt, the owners approached them and asked, What are you doing? The disciples replied, We need this donkey for the Lord of all. They brought the colt to Jesus. Then they placed their prayer shawls on its back, and Jesus rode it as he descended the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem. As he rode along, people spontaneously threw their prayer shawls on the path in front of him like a carpet. As soon as he got to the bottom of the Mount of Olives, the crowds of his followers shouted, with a loud outburst of ecstatic joy over all the mighty wonders of power they had witnessed. They shouted over and over, Highest praises to God for the one who comes as king in the name of the Lord. Heaven's peace and glory from the highest realm now comes to us. Some Jewish religious leaders who stood off from the procession said to Jesus, Teacher, You must order your followers at once to stop saying those things. Jesus responded, Listen to me. If my followers were silenced, the very stones would break forth with praises. And we'll come back to that, won't we? (laughs) When Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem, saying, If you could only recognize that this day peace is within your reach. But you cannot see it, for the day is soon coming when your enemies will surround you, pressing you in on every side and laying siege to you. They will crush you into pieces and your children too, and when they leave, your city will be totally destroyed. Since you could not recognize God's day of visitation, your day of devastation is coming. A lot to take in, a lot of different things stuck out to me and uh, you mentioned one of them and uh, there's actually a little bit of history there with uh, you know knowing the lay of the land and knowing that there's graves 
all down those hills, down that hill, down that mountain. And uh, you mentioned, uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that Zachariah was buried there, and he prophesied that Jesus would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yeah, so if we give a little bit of a context to what had just taken place uh, before Jesus came into Jerusalem, um, we can remember back, um, if you're familiar with Scripture, to Lazarus. And his friend Lazarus um, had died and was dead three days. And Jesus went there um, to the home of Mary and Martha. They went back to the grave, and Jesus called Lazarus out, three days dead, and he called him out of the grave. And so now everyone that's coming in to Jerusalem, they have that context that Jesus actually can resurrect from the dead. And so I've always looked at this scripture and thought, Man, Jesus can do anything. Right. If rocks can cry out, if, and he could, it's his creation. He can do whatever he wants with it. But I've stood on that hill um, overlooking Jerusalem, and there is a graveyard on that hill, and it's tremendous. I mean, go online and look it up. Um, see for yourself the geography that Jesus was looking at. And so you have Jesus is heartbroken because they don't understand who he really is. And Zechariah did. You know, Zechariah was very well aware when Jesus, when Mary was carrying Jesus and Elizabeth became pregnant. Like this is really, he was really close to Zechariah. And he prophesies about Jesus. Do you have right there what Zechariah prophesied? Yeah, in Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So what I found out when I was over there, that at the bottom of that Mount of Olives, Zachariah is buried there. Right. Zachariah would have prophesied. Right. He would have shouted, Hosanna, right. Hosanna. And Jesus is saying, and this is what our tour guides and those that have studied, that he was saying, if you all don't praise me for who I am, these stones will cry out. It was graves. And yes, of course, Zachariah is buried there. Uh, so that is just, since I've learned that, it is just this time of the year, I think I talk about it right. throughout the year, but this time of the year, I think, wow, let's not miss what was really happening here. It wasn't just about, you know, the normal rocks on the farmland. Right. This is, these are graves. Um, these are people. These are real people um, that he could have raised from the dead to praise him. So, yes, um, I love that part of the scripture. And uh, it was like, if you don't let these people praise me, I'll raise up the dead people. And like you said, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead, so they didn't want him raising anybody else from the dead. And, you know, there were some people that was resurrected from the dead. So if we fast forward to Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath, and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil of the Holy Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook violently, rocks were split apart, 
and graves were opened. Then many of the holy ones who had died were brought back to life and came out of their graves. And after Jesus' resurrection, they were plainly seen by many walking in Jerusalem. Like, think about that. He did it. Like, he didn't just say these rocks. I mean, they have to think back to that moment and go, wait a minute. These people were long gone. And so, yeah, he will, the Lord will be praised. And I want to praise him, right? Like, I want to make sure that my praise is going to the right place um, in these days, that I am giving him glory and it's a real it's a real picture of us making sure that it's convicting of what are we lifting up in these days and i was as you were reading that pastor margaret i was thinking you know he says like i don't do resurrections i am the resurrection <laughs> and the life and scripture also says the same power that rose jesus from the dead can you know is available is, is available and living within us and so when that power that raised Jesus from the dead, it didn't just raise Jesus from the dead, it raised others from the dead around him as witnesses. And, and you know, not only that, but it resurrects new life in us. Right. Like, we have resurrection power that's available to us, and this might feel like a little bit of a bunny trail from, you know, what we're talking about today, but it is so important that we realize that this type of power for the believer that is surrendered to God, this is available in us and through us. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming, but it's what Jesus came to reinstate, the relationship and everything that comes with that for the children of God. And uh, one of the other things that stuck out to me, Pastor Margaret, as we were reading this, um, was, uh, you know, he told the disciples to go get a colt Mm -hmm. and untie it. And he's like, if anybody questions you, tell them that it's needed for the Lord. Yeah. And the disciples didn't totally, I mean, who would understand that? Like, that didn't make any sense, but they did what he said. And uh, I made a note. Um, from a devotional I was reading recently, um, saying that following Jesus does not mean absolute clarity, but it does mean absolute obedience. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, for those, like we can go back to a scripture. Actually, we can go back to, let me just pull it up here. This was not the first time that this was mentioned. If you go back to uh, Genesis 49, verse 11. The scripture is, he ties his foal to a grapevine and the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. Now there, in Luke, it doesn't talk about the second colt, but there were two. And they're like, okay, what what in the world? Why do you need two? And we go back, and they know this scripture. They're familiar. They've heard it before. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. So there is this connection back to the Old Testament. And, you know, even, you know, you and I talked about before, there's this idea of the reason that there were two 
were this representation of the Old Testament and the New Testament because he is the choice vine. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to see that this is almost we see before our eyes in 3D the Old Testament piece of it and the New Testament coming into play as he's going to the cross um, to fulfill the call that he had, the reason that he came. So I think that's just powerful to look back and see that. And I wonder, did they remember that in the moment? Or did they think about it later? Like, wait wait a minute. Probably a later type of thing, I would guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of things were done to fulfill prophecy because the people were aware of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And uh, I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it's over 300 prophecies uh, that Jesus fulfilled mm-hmm. in the Bible. Yes. You know, and it tells you why. The Jewish leaders were stood off from the procession. They weren't going to be a part of it. Now, they knew what the Scripture said. Right. You know, they knew this is not good for us. And, and, you know, as Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, not everyone was excited because of what was getting ready to happen. Right. They were excited because they thought that Jesus was going to take up his rightful place as their earthly king. As he came into Jerusalem, they thought that he was going to take up the throne of David. And in our humanity, we have always wanted an earthly king. In our humanity, we have always wanted an earthly king that we could see. When in reality, we have a heavenly king that can see everything. And it's really, it comes down to a trust issue. And and this has been since we've always wanted that control and we've wanted to be able to see, you know, that's what the enemy used with Eve. What she could see, what she could consume, and what she could touch. That's what has always been, you know, We're just human at our core, and we're selfish. Um, We want what we want, and God knows what we need. And as they watched Jesus come into Jerusalem, they thought, finally, he is going to take up the throne of David. We're finally getting what we want. And when that didn't happen, how quickly they turned on him and started shouting, crucify him. And you know, how often are we misunderstood? Not that I'm trying to place myself in the place of understanding what Jesus went through, because I am not in any way, shape, or form, But I just think the beautiful picture of how Jesus came in to Jerusalem in such humility to become our king, 
our priestly king, for he became the sacrifice for our sin, all sin. And he made a way that we might be reinstated in relationship. He made atonement for us so that we could be justified before God. Just if I had not sinned. Um, That's why he came. A much larger scale restoration and kingship was taking place than what we could see. And it required a a perfect lamb with no blemish. So Jesus was the only one that could fulfill the Lord's want, you know, to purify us. He came to buy us back from sin and death. And, you know, the other sacrifices that we read about in the Bible in the Old Testament, those weren't good enough. Mm -mm. They didn't last. But Jesus sacrifice or willingness to die on the cross um, was a sacrifice to purify us from all sin and death and to give us a chance for eternal life if we believe in him. Yes. Yeah, that's, it was much larger than what the people could see in that moment. And again, when it didn't go their way, how quickly they turned against him. The trust wasn't that deep. And that challenges me when things don't go the way we think they should or um, do I still trust? Where is my allegiance? What is it that I want the most? And I think that's you know, it really is pretty applicable today. Um, As a believer, we have a God that will not forsake us. He has not forsaken us. He has our best interest in mind, whether we believe that or not. And there are times, and we could go a little further, into the scripture and read about Peter. And I think we've talked about that recently about uh, when we don't understand and we're being, we feel like we're conflicted in our souls that God's trying to do something and he wants to grow our trust deeper. That might require us to think about our mindset and things that we thought we were pretty firm on. I think I think Jesus challenges us to go back and look at that again, to reflect on what we've thought, maybe some things we've said that we were pretty sure, and I've had to do this, and I continue to have to do it as I stay in relationship with folks and we have conversations. I have to continually go back and wonder, why why am I wanting the things I want, the things I see, And do I want that more than I want what God wants? And I was having this conversation recently in relation to kind of where we are today. And I was having this conversation with someone of a younger generation. And 
this is what I was challenged by this individual. And here's the question that they challenged me with. Have you asked God to align your heart with his rather than asking him to align others' hearts with yours? Mm -hmm. Have you asked God to align your heart with his rather than asking him to align others' hearts with yours? And um, I think that's just important because Jesus coming into Jerusalem He weeps over Jerusalem. And why is that? Because they wanted him to align his heart with what they wanted instead of aligning their hearts with the heart of God. They wanted something temporal, something that would last, be earthly, be our earthly king. And he was given them an eternal king. He was their eternal king. He wasn't becoming... He was their eternal king. And he was making a way that they could spend and we can spend not just this lifetime, but eternity with him. Where actually his spirit would come and take up residence in us and he would work through us instead of him doing all the work. He's asking us to become children of the king and be about his kingdom narrative that's happening instead of the earthly narrative that we're watching. He, he wants to be our life. He Amen. Wants, he, you know, not just parts. He wants all of it. He wants all of us. Yeah, and you know, he didn't want that earthly um, throne. He wanted to be on our throne, the throne of our hearts. He wanted to not just take up residence in one place, but in every person. And, you know, we can't have it both ways. We walk by faith, not by sight. And that's so important today, is that for those listening today, we've got to walk by faith. That is looking vertically, looking to God and trusting that he sees and he knows and that he is sovereign. Because he is. Right. And we can believe that. We can trust that. He is. He sees us, and his grace is sufficient. Right. Even in these days, right. he will give us everything. Maybe not that we want, right. but he'll give us what we need. And if we'll lean into him and trust him in that, he will bring us peace that passes all understanding and he will give us rest. I'm not saying for those that struggle with anxiety, I'm not saying that that will all go away because there's a reason that about 365 times he tells us not to fear, so he knows we'll struggle with it. Absolutely. But in our struggles, he is trustworthy. And he will meet us at that place of anxiety. He'll walk us through that valley. It might be dark, but we are not alone. And Pastor Margaret, as you were talking about how he wants to sit on the throne of our lives, how we can't have it both ways. There's only room for one 
person to sit on the throne. Either we're on the <laughs> throne or God's on the throne. Yeah. And uh, I think also about a analogy, uh, evangelist that came and preached many years at our church, James Sproul, talked about sitting in the back seat. Oh, yeah. Letting God sit. Well, there's only one person can sit in the driver's seat yep. of a car in the driver's seat of our lives. And so that's giving God the keys basically to the car of our life, so to speak, and us taking a seat in the back seat. Yeah, that's, that is very important uh, because we can't have it. We can't be in control and God in control of our lives. We, we have to surrender that, surrender that control to God. And it is a trust issue. I'm going to say that probably a couple more times. It is a trust issue. I'm sitting here in your office and I'm looking at this picture of your granddad, um, Billy's hand on the, um, what's that thing called? The boat wheel. The boat wheel. Okay. We'll just call it the boat wheel, but it's just a picture of his hand on that boat wheel. And, um, it says the ministry of presence. And you know what? That's what God wants in our life. He wants to be present in our lives. He wants to, us to know that he's present and that he has not forgotten us for a moment. Um, he is in control. Um, that's just a beautiful right. picture. That's just a great picture of hope um, that I'm looking at right now. And I think it really does come down to, you know, there's times that when things are going on and it seems chaotic in this world, I would just say, Jesus, take the wheel, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's a, for me, that's, I mean, there is a song, you know, but there's, that is a picture of surrender. When we come to those places that we're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Wow. What a, what a word of surrender. Jesus, take the wheel. Like, that's a good yeah. That, that'll preach because that's what we desire is for him to take the, to be the driver of our life, to surrender that directional, correctional stuff to him and let him guide us. Um, so yeah, maybe the prayer for this time in our lives is Jesus take the wheel and um, he will be faithful to do that if we will yet release our grip and realize that he came to save us. He came to sanctify us. He came to set everything right that was wrong when sin entered this world. And it's not just so we can go to heaven and live on fluffy clouds. That is not it. Yes, we have an eternal um, destiny that will be glorious but we have work to do now he came to bring healing and wholeness to us so that we could be ministers of reconciliation to work with him the lord of the harvest to save the lost and to bring more people home and i've said it before and i'll say it again he is in partnership with us to populate heaven amen and uh as you were talking about the picture hanging in my office of my grandfather's hand on the wheel of the boat, I just think about his life and how he exemplified that of 
given God complete control of his life and to use him, as you were saying, as an agent of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I remember shortly after his boat burned, he told the Lord, if I never feel your presence again, I want to tell one person each day, at least one person, about how good you are. Wow. (laughs) Boy, how different would the world be if we could all remember that? I need to remember. That is a good reminder. Yeah, it's... This is good news. Um, How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And for every person listening today, your feet are beautiful. And if you're not bringing good news, there's never been a better time to bring good news, to come to that place of handing over your life to Jesus. And he can make something beautiful out of it something that we would never have thought of or imagined on our own. So I pray that over those listening today. And if there's people in your life that you just don't think it's going to ever happen, please don't give up. Keep leaning in. Be the love of Jesus and let him be the Lord in those lives around you. You don't have to be God. He can do that like Earl Clark says. He can be God all by himself. He calls us to be in the Ministry of Reconciliation. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, for Hope Talks today, and we pray that today's broadcast has truly been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.